Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 29th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. I'm dedicated to my listeners providing you with tools needed to make informed decisions on all matters that affect your money. If you're hearing my talk show at a different time or day, you're listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at the Money com, And my lineup for the show today, I have John Katalik with Katalik Farmers Insurance Agency, understanding what generates the rate you pay on your home and auto insurance, and how can you use this knowledge to reduce your insurance cost. Also in studio, I have Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies. Should you roll over your old employer retirement account or not? And last guest in studio, Melissa Masterleo with Coldwell Banker Bain, the rental law in things on the horizon. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topics discussed, please call into the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And here's today's Money Chat. Money. Money. Low appraisals and a, a possible solution that might work for you. So any of my buyers out there uh, looking and in, getting into the market and making an offer, uh, today's market and the rapid appreciation, sometimes there's challenges with the appraiser being able to support the purchase price or the value that you're paying for the home. Uh, lender's going to loan on the lower of the two. So if the value of your home from the appraiser comes in lower than the actual price that you paid for the home, the lending is going to be based on that. So today I would like to provide a creative and possible solution for you. The solution is to decrease your down payment and do a buyout of mortgage insurance. So I'm talking to consumers that are looking at doing a 20% down payment to avoid paying private mortgage insurance uh, PMI thinking that if the lender is going to only lend 80% on the lower appraised value, that they're going to be stuck paying monthly PMI. I'm going to give you a solution to avoid having to do that. So let's go through some numbers. Unfortunately, because this is radio, there's no visual, but um, hopefully you can stick with me on this. Let's look at a purchase price of 500000 So if you took 80% loan to value, that's if you were coming in with a 20% down payment, your loan amount we'd be borrowing would be 400000 So the down payment would be $100,000. Now, after after the appraisal, in this example, our appraisal comes in $20,000 low at $480,000. So the bank is going to lend on $480,000. So instead of doing an 80% loan to value, let's just take it to an 85% loan to value, which means you would be borrowing $408,000. So the down payment would be $72,000. Plus, you're going to pay the shortage in the appraisal because you still are paying $500,000 for this property if you continue moving forward through the transaction. So adding that $20,000, that puts you at $92,000. 
The buyout of mortgage insurance in this example is the, the cost to completely buy out the monthly mortgage insurance is a one-time fee of $3,100. So that brings us up to $95,100. The 20% down payment originally was hundred grand. So you're actually coming in with $4,900 less cash up front, even though the appraised value came in $20,000 lower. Now, there is a little bit of a mortgage payment difference. At contract with the purchase price of five hundred thousand and your loan amount of four hundred thousand, a four percent interest rate, the principal and interest payment would be nineteen oh nine. Now the after appraisal appraisal value again was four hundred and eighty thousand. Loan amount at an eighty five percent loan to value was four hundred and eight thousand. So the principal and interest went up to nineteen forty seven. The difference is thirty eight dollars a month. Now you can also finance in that mortgage insurance if you want to, which would increase the payment by fifteen dollars. So when you look at the numbers, it's a pretty uh, minimal amount to be able to keep this purchase transaction or your contract together. Now solution. Here's the, the solution that when the appraisal, va- appraisal value, if it does come in low, the seller can reduce the price by 20 grand. Now, I will tell you in this market, that's not going to happen in almost every situation. In a lot of situations, you're actually waiving contingencies. One of them might be the appraisal contingency. And sometimes you're actually waiving it, plus saying that you're willing to pay the amount over what the appraised value comes in at. Um, and so this is why this creative solution can be helpful for you. So let's say option one would not work. Option two is you as the buyer keeps the agreed price and comes in with the additional $16,000 at closing. That might be an option that you want to look at doing, but if you don't have the funds or you want to keep those funds for other resources, I have a financial planner in here with us today, maybe uh, utilizing that money and not having to take it out of your financial plan is a better option. So here's a uh, another option. The buyer puts lower down payment of 15%, just what we talked about, and does the mortgage insurance buyout, which costs $3,100, which we went over those numbers paid by the seller instead of lowering the purchase price of 20 grand. So if the appraised value didn't come in and it was 20 grand short and you're trying to negotiate with the seller, you're negotiating 20 grand. But if you use my creative option, you're only negotiating $3,100. So the difference in negotiation is 16,900. Again, in this market, that most likely is not going to happen. What I, but I want to bring it all together with what the solutions are. So here's most likely what you're going to do. Option four, buyer puts lower down payment of 15%, which we talked about, and the cash needed at closing actually lowered $4,900 because you increased the uh, loan amount, including the buyout of mortgage insurance with the payment w- increase would be $38 or you finance it in and the payment increase would be $53. Again, a minimal amount on the payment. So it's a really great option. Now, I do also want to talk to my real estate professionals out there and clients that are working with real estate professionals and why it's so important to work with a seasoned agent, experienced, knows how to work in this market, um, understands the importance of everything that they're doing and crossing their T's and dotting their I's is can make or break that offer getting ex- accepted. Um, those of my buyers out there that don't have great representation, of course, that's what the show is all about, is really getting you connected with the best of the best in every area regarding financing. Um, so reach out to me if you need assistance there. But I want to give some tips for my real estate professionals that are listening to uh, to the show today to help avoid low appraisals. Be prepared to share your data with the appraiser. Everything that you're already going through, all of that work in preparation to help the buyer understand why they need to pay this price for the property, you're doing all of this work ahead of time 
provide that all to the appraiser. Put a nice package together to make the appraiser's job easier. Also be prepared to make sure the CO detectors, that's just a common one that happens is the CO detectors are not um, in. They have to be up on the wall. They can't be laying on the floor. It has to be for every every floor. Now, simple fix is the appraiser calls for it and you do it afterwards. But the problem, as you know, um, for any agents listening to the show, it can delay closing. And there's already tight timelines as there is. Um, next is accurate information on the MLS. You know, so just make sure all the information that you're putting on the MLS for the listing is accurate uh, information. And call the appraiser prior to the appointment to introduce yourself and offer your services. Um, anything that they might need, having that connection and connection on a per- connecting on a personal level with the appraiser can make all of the difference in their opinion on that price. Uh, return any phone calls uh, promptly from the appraiser and be kind and respe- respectful like you are for with all the other parties involved. Just remember, uh, everyone, that the appraiser, the appraisal is based on an appraiser's opinion. There's always a range of where that opinion can go, and we want that range to be on the higher end, not the lower end. That's my money chat for you today, and coming up next in the money, our understanding what generates the rate you pay on your home and auto insurance and how you can use this knowledge to reduce your insurance cost. John Katolik with Katolik Farmers Insurance Agency right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Hello, I'm John Katolik, one of Tina's guests on the Money Hour. I'm a farmer's insurance agent in Redmond, Washington, and I work hard to make sure that every one of my customers is properly insured. So what's the right liability coverage on your home or car? Well, to be honest, it changes. If you own a home in the Seattle area, you've seen your net worth increase by $300,000 to $500,000 over just the last five years. But have you increased your auto and home insurance coverage to match your increased net worth? Have you? If your current agent isn't talking about this, they're not doing their job. Please know that I will. I promise to every one of my customers to annually review with them that they have the right amount of coverage and does not have to cost you a lot of money. In fact, adding a million dollar umbrella policy costs most families less than a dollar a day. That's a million bucks of coverage for less than a buck a day. To learn more, you can reach me, John Katolik, at 425-947-1429. Again, that's John Katolik at 425-947-1429. I'm a farmer's agent in downtown Redmond, Washington. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to the Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 29th show. I've built a network of elite industry professionals every week sharing their knowledge and expertise with my listeners. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can call the show at 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com to ask any questions or to get connected with the guests that I have on the show today. And in studio right now, John Catholic with Catholic Farmers Insurance Agency, understanding what generates the rate you pay on your home and auto insurance and how you can use this knowledge to reduce your insurance cost. 
John, thank you so much for joining me in studio today. Very excited. Thanks for having me today, Tina. And a little bit about John, owner of Farmers Insurance Agency in downtown Redmond, working to make sure that autos, homes, and lives for the average consumer are adequately protected. John is a big advocate for protecting his clients using the tools and adding an umbrella to get coverages up to the level where they protect the average consumer in the Seattle area. John also works with business and commercial property owners to ensure them against most losses from restaurants to manufacturing plants from wineries to laundromats from contractors to dentists and everything in between john has over 30 years of extensive business and insurance experience in the puget sound area that he brings to bear in advice for his customers so john excited about our topic today anything uh, regarding saving my listeners money is awesome and uh, to really get an understanding about uh, insurance and how it works our conversation today is understanding what generates the rate that you pay on home and auto insurance and how you can use this knowledge to reduce your insurance cost. So John, could you give me a brief overview on how the insurance uh, industry primary uh, underwriting for home and auto creates a quote for the premium that they're charged to the consumer? Yeah, I'd love to, Tina. First of all, let me start by saying that it's all about a mathematical formula. Mm -hmm. But before I talk about the formula, remember that insurance technically is a risk transfer mechanism that ensures full and partial financial compensation for the loss and damage caused by events beyond your control for the insured party. That's a mouthful. In reality, what it really means is that what most people think it means is that you're transferring your risk directly to a company, and you are. But insurance companies pool clients' risk into groups or pools to make payments even more affordable for the insured and less risky to the insurer. That's what you're insured in. You're insured in a group. So the pool is messy. It's messy and your rates go up. If your pool is clean, your pool actually helps you reduce your rate. Okay. So what or who manages the rate factors or uh, the rating factors found in this pool of insurance? Algorithms. Or insurers. Algorithms, algorithms, algorithms. They drive the insurance quotes that farmers and every company out there uses today. That's how we can do it in the blink of the eye. It takes me a second. But that algorithm is a mathematical formula that's comprised of a lot of data that we collect as insurance carriers mm-hmm. about we know about what we know in the public. So who's a higher risk, what those factors are. Every company does a little bit differently, which is why okay. every company gives a little bit different rate. Yeah, makes sense. So, John, what is the main factors used to determine rates for auto and homes? In the state of Washington, as in most states with the exception of California, credit scoring is really important. Yes, But it's not just your score, it's a lot of other factors that we call segmentation. So if you have a high credit score and it's been around for 35 years and you've got great income, that'd be very different than somebody maybe has a really good credit score, but they've been employed for five years and we just don't know that much about them. And that, and that makes total sense. So it's kind of a common sense uh, when it comes to, you know, how these factors and algorithms work. So what about, what about other factors that affect the way insurance companies rate their customers? Your age. Anybody that's got a teenage son knows that. And that makes sense. Your gender. Believe it or not, contrary to popular myth, women are cheaper to insure than men. Yes. You know that, don't because you? Because we're less risk. We're not so crazy. <laughs> That's probably right. The level of coverage you need drives uh-huh. your costs. And so, okay. you know, do I need what we call full coverage where I've got collision and comprehensive included or not? Um, your vehicle. Teslas uh-huh. are wonderful cars. They're expensive as heck to insure. Um, 
where zip code, where you live in the city of Seattle will affect your rate. I have customers that tell me they've moved, and I either have good news or bad news. Wow. They move to a zip, different zip with a different kind of community around it. Yeah. The rate can go up, the rate go down. Now, is that because of the chance of risk that something is going to happen to the car, like theft? Correct. Because obviously it's not having an effect on accident prone. Uh, it actually is connected to that, too, because if you're commuting or if you're living in an area where we know that there's a higher incidents of accidents, uh-huh. that affects you. Most oh, people have ac- accidents within one or two miles of home, so okay. it really does affect yeah. that. Yeah. So, John, uh, how does this all come together for an average consumer? Well, this is why I say you have to shop. Literally, you can get yourself rated with 10 companies have 10 different numbers in terms of what you're going to pay for a premium. Um, and it has affected by a lot of factors uh, that you're going to experience every day. Um, in the in the world you drive in. Uh-huh. So I always tell people that the average consumer should shop, especially if you're m- new to an area. Okay. I had a customer today move from California where they don't have credit scoring. She had terrible credit, and I had the bad news of telling her we had really had a high rate for her. Uh-huh. I have other people move from California that don't know how great their credit is. They move here, and they get phenomenal rates. So the reality is, and, and although I represent one company, mm-hmm. the prudent shopper is going to shop, and that's sure. just life. And we either have a product that works for them, or we don't. So I encourage everybody to shop. Uh-huh. I mean, we're not talking about customer service yet. And that's part of it you're buying. Sure. Um, and maybe you can talk about that in a little bit yeah. in the future here. Well, it's just like, I'm, just since you mentioned it, I mean, I always say discounted, uh, discounted rate equals discounted service. So you do mm-hmm. have to be cautious at a discounted company. But um, it is interesting to hear that different companies, the algorithms or how they're looking at it are going to be different um, in the rating. So something can be more favorable to you. So John, we all hear a lot about purchasing insurance online. And I know that you're an agent who owns an agency in downtown Redmond. Um, Tell me what the uh, perceived to be the pros and cons for shopping online. Well, the pros are obvious. Theoretically, it's cheaper. They don't Uh have to pay pay for the brick and mortar. And you buy what you want. No one's going to tell you what you should have. You're going to mm-hmm. buy what you want. Um, again, I'll talk about that when I think about what agents do. Um, it's information at your speed and the term you can terms you want it to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you can you can literally buy insurance in your birthday suit at you know two in the morning. Sure. Um, and that's the advantage of online. Scary. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. I guess it. Never mind. Go co- ahead, John. Your quotes are instantaneous. <laughs> And uh, it's the millenniums love it. That's bottom line. Uh huh. So I, the buy what you want. That actually I could I could think could be a challenge only because you're not having a, a, an expert coach you and help you to decide not necessarily what you want but what you need, which ultimately becomes what you really want in the end. Um, also on the line, I, I just compare with mortgages because it's the same thing. I mean, you go online to get a mortgage and get a discounted rate, but you don't have that brick and mortar and that service in in the local market that's helping out through the serv- the customer service process. So important, uh, John. How does this compare with uh, someone who calls you? What do they perceive to be the pros and cons in shopping with you as an agent? Well, you've you've got supposedly the expense of me running an office in downtown Redmond, but the reality is most online companies now sell uh, in a brick and mortar as well. We've kind of okay. merged these things, two things together, so there's not really that competitive edge, and pretty much the quoting is based upon that algorithm. No matter who you're selling to, okay. you can go farmers.com, we can offer you a rate there. Mm-hmm. However, I get those leads directly to me, and I end up having to close on them, and usually they're not quoted correctly because the person's quoting themselves. Um, 
you don't have to, you have to deal with an intimidating agent when you walk into my office sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm going to look at your situation and say, geez, you know, you got state minimums and you need more. So, um, the quotes well, my are, listeners can see you do look a little intimidating, John. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big burly guy. Yeah, <laughs> you big teddy bear. <laughs> um, the quotes are just about as instantaneous with mm-hmm. me. And actually, the reason they take longer is because I'm going to push for some answers to some questions that you may not find online. Um, You can shop from home, too. I -hmm. do it on the phone almost all the time. Um, And the big difference between myself and I'd say and any brick-and-mortar agent is that usually we're going to give you the customer service when you have a claim that we're going to talk it through. Yeah. I use the example, and anybody who's got a home knows this. A tree falls in your house, call claims. It's important. It's not going to be a question of coverage. But if a tree falls on your fence, let's talk about what that might cost and why you might not want to have it go through the claim. The challenge for an online company is there really is nobody to talk to, talk to you about that. You yeah. call them and they'll say, well, tell me what the claim is. And you say, well, should I make a claim? They're not equipped and they will not advise you because they, they can't. Yeah, yeah. You're not dealing with an agent, in other words. Yep, it makes total sense. John, since the insurance uh, industry uses algorithms to create your premiums, uh, how would you advise the average consumer to shop for their home and auto insurance? When you come to town and you're, and you're looking for pricing, tell everybody to have any agent you work with, the quote, the spouse and, and yourself. Uh-huh. Together, one is the lead, one is primarily insured, and you'd be surprised what the difference between spouses can lead you to in terms of cost. I had a customer, again, come from California. Mm-hmm. We quoted it both ways. The husband had not the best credit. It's a credit-driven system. The wife had much better credit. We saved him eight hundred dollars a year, but using her first. So that's really, what I'm saying. I had no, I had no idea that the yeah. order of this the spouse made a difference in insurance. It does with farmers. It does with most really? of the major companies. Yeah. So that try it both ways. Once you're in, I can't switch it. But Got it. On but the you front can end, I can. you can run you can run the different scenarios, figure out what those al- algorithms are going to do and what the premium spits out. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. Keep your. If, you, if you're at the state minimum and we quote you, uh-huh. that reflects negatively on you and you actually have a higher premium than if you come to me already with 500, 500 combined single limit or 250, 500 bodily injury. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, you're, if you care enough about yourself coming into my office with high insurance levels uh-huh. in terms of protection, it actually helps your cost go down, not up. Yeah. It's the irony of the, the way it works. Interesting. So, John, are there other factors that you should be aware of when purchasing insurance? Yeah, keep your credit score high. Yeah. It affects you every time. But it affects you in everything. Right. Try to purchase mono, uh, more than monoline. In other words, okay. you get a discount. Every one of us gives you a discount when you purchase more than one policy from us. So have your homes mm-hmm. and your car with one party. Um, if you're moving, like I said get a new, new quote because your new your new address will affect it. Uh, what about uh, the number one problem that you see with customers shopping for insurance today? They come into my office. They're, they've been in around the, they're in their early 30s. Mm-hmm. When they got out of college, they had this $25,000, $50,000, and $10,000 bodily injury coverage on their car. 10, 15 years later, they now have a house, a kid, and two or three cars, and they still have that level. What that means is if they get in an accident, that 25000 for one person or 50000 for the, everybody in the cars, mm-hmm. all the coverage they've got. They now have a net worth of over a half million bucks yeah, or a wow. million bucks, and that's all exposed 
in an accident, sure. and that's why you buy the coverage in the first place. Yep. So, and it's amazing how often I find, especially these technological wonders that work for Microsoft and other high-tech companies, they haven't looked at that policy since they graduated from college. Yeah. And it's a so like anything else, you're talking mortgage, real estate, finances, is talk with your, uh, your agent on an annual basis, get things updated, and especially if there's any life changes. Um, we've got one minute to go to commercial, but I do want to ask one other question here. Consumers sometimes get confused with their homeowner's insurance uh, being less than the value of your home. Can you share the difference between replacement value and home value? True. As any real estate agent or mortgage broker knows, the house is not worth what the marketplace says it is. It's what it costs to replace it. And that does not include replacing the land. Yes. So the key factor is making sure you have enough insurance to cover the cost of reconstruction. I recommend everybody look at a guaranteed replacement um, policy. Okay. It, it covers you no matter what the cost of replacement is. Great advice. John, thank you so much for uh, joining me in studio for the first time. It was a real pleasure, and I look forward to having you come back. I'd love to be here. Thank you, Tina. Coming up next in the Money Hour, should you roll over your old employer retirement account or not? Well, I have Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you near retirement? Recently transferred to a new job and wondering what to do with your old 401k? Are you interested in learning about how to create a defensive and offensive strategy for your financial plan? Tony Sablon of Eagle Strategies can help you analyze your current financial plan, life insurance, and investments. Tony Sablon has helped hundreds of individuals, families, and business owners bring clarity to their financial plan. This is Tony Sablon with Eagle Strategies. To learn more about my practice, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at ultimatewealthstrategies.com. To receive a free consultation, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at eaglestrategies.com. Again, that's 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at EagleStrategies.com. The following material is presented for informational and sales purposes only and represents our understanding of generally applicable rules. It is not intended and does not set forth solutions to individual situations. New York Life Insurance Company, its agents or employees may not give legal, tax, or accounting advice. And none is intended nor should be inferred from the information herein. Clients should consult their own professional advisors prior to implementing any planning strategies. This material includes a discussion of one or more tax-related topics prepared to assist in the promotion or marketing of the transactions or matters addressed. It is not intended and cannot be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any IRS penalties that may be imposed upon the taxpayer. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 29th show. I am here to empower our community, providing you with opportunities and solutions when it comes to your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To talk with any guests that I have in the studio today, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at com. And right now in studio, I have Tony Sablon with Ultimate Wealth Strategies. Should you roll over your old employer retirement account or not? Tony, thank you for coming back and joining me in studio again. Always a pleasure to be here, Tina. Seems like this is becoming a regular thing for you and I. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Tony... 
what is a rollover? Can you explain that to my listeners? Yes. Uh, rollover occurs when you withdraw cash or other assets from one retirement plan and contribute all or part of it into another plan within 60 days. Uh, today, we'll pro- I'll provide an overview of commonly held uh, retirement plans, explain the options available to you, and as, uh, as we will discuss later, there are advantages and disadvantages as well as costs and tax implications to each option available to you. So you should always consult with uh, your employer, your tax, and legal advisors about the pros and cons of each option you have. Yeah, just like everything else, it's always important to talk with your your expert on all these areas before making any big uh, financial decisions. So, Tony, are all rollovers um, applicable to only 401ks? Well, most of you have some sort of qualified plan. And, you know, if you work at a private company, you have a 401k. And, you know, I have clients that are, that are that's a nurse, and she works at Harborview, at, that, and at which you would have a 403b. Then I have a client who works for a nonprofit, and she has a 457, 457B. So for business owners who don't have a lot of employees, mm-hmm. they generally set up either a SEP or simple IRA. And, and last but, but not least, just because you don't work at any of these types of locations uh, doesn't mean you can't save in one of these plans. You can do a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And uh, you know those are just a few examples of qualified plans that uh, you could um, do rollovers with. Okay, so Tony, tell me a little bit uh, more about the different retirement plans. So, a four hundred one k is the most often talked about and used in retirement accounts. Uh, you know, there are a few key things to know. So, to know, four hundred one k's only exist in for profit companies. Uh, for instance, if you work at Boeing, Microsoft, T-Mobile, mm-hmm. uh, chances are you have a 401k. Uh, some companies match your contributions, though they're not uh, obligated to. And um, the max you can contribute in a plan, in a 401k plan, is $18,000. And then there's the uh, 403b, and it's similar to a 401k, but they only exist in nonprofit uh, organizations such as schools, government entities. So if you work for Harborview or UW, you have a 403B. And again, contribution limits are 18,000 for for that type of a retirement account. And then uh, there's the 457B, which is um, used by nonprofit uh, companies, uh, entities such as a charity organization. And again, the max is 18,000 that you can contribute to that. But if you're a self-employed or a small business owner, then you can actually set up a simple, um, a self-employed pension plan, or sorry, sorry, simplified employee pension plan, and the max you can contribute in that uh, account is fifty-four thousand dollars. And it, it is also important to note that if you do work for a company that um, has a SEP, mm-hmm. uh, you can't, as an employee, you can't uh, make contributions. And lastly, there's a simple IRA, and the max contribution for that is $12,500. Yeah, and I think there's some real uh, huge benefits for uh, any of the self-employed um, listeners that I have out there because it's a, a real benefit to be able to utilize this. So definitely uh, talk with your financial planner. I'll give the show a call, and I'll connect you with Tony. Uh, so, Tony, what are the different options for rolling over your money? Well, you can take you can take a lump sum. You can leave your money at your old uh, employer or you can roll over into a new plan, which that new plan could be uh, your your own traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. 
so what are the pros and cons of, of each of these? So if you take the lump sum di- distribution in cash, uh, you get you know unrestricted use of your retirement savings. Mm-hmm. And though that may seem like an advantage, um, you know, you, you should give ca- careful consideration to the consequences of that option. While it may seem tempting, I think everyone w- would agree that your retirement savings are intended for long-term financial goals. So if you're younger than 59 and a half, in addition to income taxes, you, you may also be required to pay a 10% mm-hmm. IRS uh, uh, penalty for early distribution. And uh, there are exceptions uh, to early distributions, such as uh, medical expenses, uh, you get disability, or separation from service after age 55. But everyone must pay uh, the income taxes that were previously deferred because you're contributing into these plans pre-tax. Yeah. And that may include, uh, fe- or th- this includes federal and may include state and local taxes on uh, your contributions. And they also count, and you also want to keep in mind that they, when you distribute those funds, they count as income. Yes. So not only do you pay the penalty, mm-hmm. but again... But now your income goes up to, to possibly that next tax bracket. Exactly. Yeah, and so it's really strategic. Everything that you're doing has to be really strategic um, because you can make a huge financial mistake, and that's where your your uh, combined with you and your tax professional can come in and help you really strategize on what to do here. Um, Tony, what about rolling over into a tra- uh, traditional IRA? So rolling it over into a traditional IRA actually gives you a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of investment choices because with employer plans, you're only limited to certain funds, fund families, and a very limited selection of investment choices. And also, um, you know, by rolling it into a traditional IRA, chances are you'll work with a financial professional that will tie your retirement plan into your financial goals mm-hmm. and your overall financial planning conversation. And then what about rolling it over to a Roth IRA? So one of the things to keep in mind in rolling it over to a Roth IRA is to figure out, you know, if, if paying the taxes on that 401k now makes sense uh-huh. because when you do roll it over into a Roth IRA, you have to pay the taxes now. But then the benefits of a Roth IRA is that it grows tax uh, deferred, and when you access that money in retirement, it's tax-free. Yes. So do you either pay the tax man now, or you pay yeah. the tax man later on a big sum of well, money? Well, I don't have a big crystal ball, but I have a I have a slight feeling that taxes are probably going to be higher. So, so imagine my, it would be a good idea, possibly. If you feel taxes, income taxes are going to go up, then you want to take advantage of that option so that you can pay the taxes now in a lower tax bracket. Exactly. So anything else about rolling over to an IRA? Why a, why a consumer should do that? Well, you avoid the penalty and tax consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get greater selection of investment options and more streamlined record keeping, uh, professional management of your entire portfolio, and uh, no blackout periods on when you can access the money. So, uh, Tony, when, you, when should you consider a rollover? Uh, when you're re- when you're retirement, you're in retirement, and you have uh, monies sitting in different 401 old 401 old employer accounts. Uh-huh. Uh, you re- you reach age 59 and a half. You have a job change. Uh, you have a disability event, or you know even a job loss, or you're moving to a new location. And those are just some of the reasons why you might want to roll over into an IRA.
Now, I'm I'm sure you're probably seeing this because I'm seeing it as a mortgage professional with the uh, homeowners that have homes now that are wanting to move up to a bigger and get into a better area for their kids, better school zone, nicer house. Um, The challenge right now is is being able to go, you can't go contingent because the market is too crazy, and selling their home first and then hoping they're going to find that perfect home. A lot of clients are wanting to figure out how they can buy and then sell after they've purchased their new home. So I'm having a lot of clients that are actually borrowing against their 401k. Um, Do you have a lot of your clients that are coming to you and and asking for the advice on doing a temporary loan against their own money to come in with a down payment for a new house? Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a lot of clients that uh, we have that conversation with. What are the risks on that, Tony? So the risk is that, you know, we're we're at the top of the market at a top of the market. Okay. I want to say at the top. But um, market market's doing well. Market's doing well. Their money's doing well. Yeah, money's doing well. Uh-huh. So you take the loan out now and then you know you decide or the market decides to do what it does and then now you're paying back on a on a loan that's greater than what you had. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, but then also and what we're seeing today is you know how how comfortable do you feel at your job? Yes. And if it makes sense for you to take out the loan uh, mathematically, then yeah, why you know if this is your money, you yes. decide what to do. Then one of the things to consider too is that you you have companies laying people off. So yeah. and engineers, software developers. In that case, you got to pay that loan back as soon yeah. as you, and that was another thing I was mm-hmm. going to address because it's, I always tell my clients, you just need to make sure if you're borrowing it, your 401k, you're going to stay with that company because once you leave that company, you've got to pay that loan back. Yeah. So, and then or also you take the tax penalty. Or you take the tax penalty. Yeah. penalty. Um, also, there's the, you know, the time frame. You've got to make sure that you're, um, you understand what that, the loan period of time is for, that mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to satisfy that time period to be able to repay that back, correct? Correct. And right now, the other thing, and then I'll um, break us to, to commercial, uh, Tony, um, and get some final words from you, but is a first-time homebuyer, because first-time homebuyers do, do, do still have access to, what, 50% of their 401k for a down payment of a home? Is that where it's at right now? Yeah, depending on the company plan. Uh, if you have your money in an IRA, it's uh, temp, uh, up to $10,000. Okay, so talk with your whoever's holding that money mm-hmm. to make sure you've got an understanding there. So any last comments uh, for my listeners, Tony, before I take us to break. Well, no matter whether whether you're currently working at the same company or don't and don't anticipate a job change, job change, always start your financial planning conversation today because you know you don't, you want you want to be able to prepare for tomorrow. And I'm here to help you and educate you on financial planning concepts beyond the obvious. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. And it's always a pleasure having you here. Always a pleasure. And coming up next to the Money Hour, are you a renter or an investor? The rental laws and things that are happening that coming up on the horizon for rentals and for investors. I have Melissa Masterleo with Coldwell Banker Bain right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you near retirement? Recently transferred to a new job and wondering what to do with your old 401k? Are you interested in learning about how to create a defensive and offensive strategy for your financial plan? Tony Sablon of Eagle Strategies can help you analyze your current financial plan, life insurance, and investments. Tony Sablon has helped hundreds of individuals, families, and business owners bring clarity to their financial plan. 
This is Tony Sablon with Eagle Strategies. To learn more about my practice, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at ultimatewealthstrategies.com. To receive a free consultation, call me at 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at eaglestrategies.com. Again, that's 425-586-0977 or reach me online at Tony Sablon at eaglestrategies.com. Hello, I'm John Katolik, one of Tina's guests on the Money Hour. I'm a farmer's insurance agent in Redmond, Washington, and I work hard to make sure that every one of my customers is properly insured. So what's the right liability coverage on your home or car? Well, to be honest, it changes. If you own a home in the Seattle area, you've seen your net worth increase by $300,000 to $500,000 over just the last five years. But have you increased your auto and home insurance coverage to match your increased net worth? Have you? If your current agent isn't talking to you about this, they're not doing their job. Please know that I will. I promise to every one of my customers to annually review with them that they have the right amount of coverage and does not have to cost you a lot of money. In fact, adding a million-dollar umbrella policy costs most families less than a dollar a day. That's a million bucks of coverage for less than a buck a day. To learn more, you can reach me, John Katolik, at 425-947-1429. Again, that's John Katolik at 425-947-1429. I'm a farmer's agent in downtown Redmond, Washington. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 29th show. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in and I will keep you informed. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding money, get connected with the guest in studio or let me know who you'd like to have or what topics you'd like to hear on future shows. And right now in studio, I have Melissa Master Leo with Coldwell Banker Bain. And we're going to be discussing the rental laws and things that are up on the horizon. Melissa, thank you so much for coming into studio first time. It's my pleasure, Tina. And a little bit about Melissa. Melissa Master Master Leo is a realtor specializing in residential property manager with Cold War Banker Bain in the greater Seattle area. She and her family relocated to the beautiful Seattle area in 2004 2004 from Australia. Previously, Melissa worked with a relocation and international transferees for local major employers, taught communication at the community college, and worked as a marketing director for supported employment agents in Australia. Melissa has a strong belief in community involvement. She has served on the nonprofit boards in Iowa, uh, Tasmania, and Washington. Her focus has been on children's issues and sexual assault prevention. Currently, she is on the Teens and Public Service Board. Melissa has an incredible work ethic, and she is success, successfully speaks volume about her integrity and commitment to her clients and co-workers. She has an amazing amount of energy, and her clients will attest that she goes the 
extra mile to tend to their needs. You will never need Melissa without an infectious smile on her face. Among her many real estate and community achievements, International President Elite Cold War Banker Bain 2016, International President Circle 2012 through 2015, number one Cold War Banker Bain Property Manager 2012 until present, and Bachelor in Science and Social Work in Ohio State University. Melissa, it's just a real pleasure to uh, have you in studio and excited about our topic of conversation because there's a lot of things that are, that are happening in this arena. And I think it's really beneficial for uh, renters and people that are investors in looking at investing in real estate. So there's been um, so much information in the news lately about how the Seattle City Council is making changes in favors of tenants. What brought this on? Well, as many of you know, homelessness is an issue in our uh, beautiful city. So there's been quite a bit of um, wondering if our price increases and if disparate impact of those increases are causing some of these problems. The soaring rental prices have gone up, you know, in apartments specifically about 57% in the last six years, according to the Seattle Times. Um, And the Seattle Office of Civil Rights decided to do a fair housing test a couple years ago. And of those tested, 70 sorry, 60% of those had violations of fair housing. That resulted in 23 owners being charged, and they only tested three of the protected classes. That made uh, the council really concerned and Mm -hmm. tried to come up with some solutions to these kinds of problems. So, Melissa, what are the fair housing laws, and um, are only large property owners responsible to follow the fair housing, or are large property owners tested? Well, anybody can be tested. Okay. Fair housing laws started as an offshoot of the civil rights uh, legislations of the 60s. And they, the laws then established some protected classes. Since then, cities and states have expanded those. Currently in Seattle, there are 14 protected classes. And we've been uh, one of the leaders in uh, tenant rights. So other cities around our area have adopted what Seattle has first tried out. My company and I, we proudly follow all of Seattle's uh, protected class ordinances, Uh no matter what jurisdiction one of our properties is in. Okay. So, uh, Melissa, you spoke of a rental criteria prepared in advance to give to all prospects. What do you have on your criteria? Well, we are required to give everyone now by state law the criteria they'll be screened against. And those are different from company to company. Most of the time, what they include are things like a credit screening and not specifically a score, income verification, employment verification, a criminal background check, an eviction history, and a rental history check. So it's really a a combine of all of these that that the is is grading, um, if you want to call it that. So what are some changes, Melissa, that the city council has made? Well, the city council has made quite a few changes. I was going to say there's been a lot of them. Yeah. So we're not going to be able to focus on all of them today. Um, 
One of the things that investors need to know is that each year they are required to give uh, an information book called Information for Tenants um, that's generated by the city council. Mm -hmm. So all of the rights and responsibilities of a tenant and the rights and responsibilities of the landlord are spelled out very black and white. Okay. So the changes have included uh, a first in time, first in line. Another one has been a changing the move-in fees and how much you can charge, limits to the move-in deposits, and um, quite controversially, uh, background checks in, in regard to criminal uh, background to be reviewed on a case-by-case basis. So, Melissa, let's, let's break those down. Okay. Well, let fees... There's now limits on what can be charged. Let's say you moved into a high-rise condominium. Mm-hmm. Before, many owners would pass on the move-in fees that the HOA charged. Those can be really expensive. I've seen them as high as $500. And that can be charged at move-in and at move-out. Now those are considered an owner responsibility, a cost of doing business. Okay. The city council will not let you pass those on. They've also limited the amount of fees to no more than 10% of the monthly rent before there was no cap on fees. Also, you cannot charge pet fees any longer. Really? Um, My company and I, we've never charged most of the fees that uh, lots of other companies and individual landlords have passed on to tenants. We really do see those as business expenses. One of the fees that uh, there's limitations on now is cleaning fees. We've never charged those because it doesn't motivate the tenant to take good care of the property mm-hmm. and to keep it nice and clean. Uh, and now the city council says if you limit, if you charge a cleaning fee, you have limited the amount you can charge for cleaning completely. Nothing wow. extra out of the deposit. So obviously the city council um, adjustments are tenant benefit. And again, going back to the why behind it is because the rents have increased 57% in Seattle in six years. I mean, that's crazy. Um, the homeless issues that we're having and to really trying to make it more affordable for people to rent. Yeah, we have such great changes here in our community. Deposits are another thing that there are now limits on. Mm-hmm. A security deposit can be no more than one month's rent. In this situation, I think that this could actually hurt many tenants better than help them. After the downturn, we were able to accommodate with an extra month, so a total of two months deposit, who lost their homes to short sale and to bankruptcy and to foreclosure. We don't have that option available to us anymore. Mm. You can also choose as a tenant to pay your deposit in installments over six months. That can cause a real hardship to owners if you end up moving out early and they don't have very much deposit to um, go against that loss that they have. We as a company raised our deposits from a half a month's rent to one month's rent as a result of this legislative, legislative change. Got it. So, Melissa, let's uh, shift over to kind of what's happening in the uh, the rental leasing market in comparison to what's happening in uh, real estate and purchasing a home. Lack of inventory or lack of um, availability out there. Are you seeing in the leasing side when you're going out to try to rent that there's multiple offers? And if so, how are you dealing with this? 
I have multiple offers on my properties all the time. Yeah. The first in line uh, policy that the city council just recently adopted is to address this situation. Now you are required to date and timestamp each application as you receive it. And the way it's written, you are to whichever the first one that comes in, if they have a appear to have a qualified application, that is your number one choice instead of being able to pick and choose. It doesn't give either the landlord or the tenant a very good opportunity for negotiation. Mm -hmm. Some people will say, if you'll lower the price, I'll take it without that carpet replacement that you have uh, planned. And that can actually work out very well for the landlord and the tenant. I have so much high interest in some of my properties that I may have 50 inquiries before I've scheduled even one appointment to view. It's crazy. So how do I schedule those appointments and give everybody the same shake Uh at uh, securing it? The way I've always done it is that I schedule an open house. And whether you're the first person through or the last person through that open house, you have exactly the same chance. I give everybody the exact same information and the exact same deadline to get me their applications and their supporting information. If, when I get to that deadline, then I assess based on only objective criteria. So that sounds pretty strategic then. So there's a there's a time everybody looks at it, and the applications are all being collected at the same time, so there isn't that first you know, first one or whatever the um, the law is. So everybody is getting that fair chance. Well, that's what we believe will be. You yeah. know, this is brand new. Okay. Uh, it's just come into effect and it's not being um, enforced until later in the year. This is really contentious, and there's a group of landlords, actually, who are suing the city of Seattle over this. So we don't quite know how it will all shake out. What I plan to do is continue to do this, because Mm -hmm. I really believe in fair housing. And fair housing is about treating everybody the same every time. And so that's what I've always used as my guiding principle. Yeah, makes sense. So comparing it with real estate, completely different, because you are out there, you know, help um, some people that you've helped get into rentals, and, and you're moving on and helping them with their real estate transactions as well. So it's completely opposite of real estate and just bidding up and and taking the highest bidder. So, Melissa, do you think other cities are going to make these changes? Because we're talking about Seattle. So we have a lot more more cities. So do you think that they're going to follow suit? Well, all the cities face the same issues. Uh So it's not different in Bellevue or Renton or Edmonds or anywhere else in, in the state. Um, really, um, the thing is that we'll have to watch how it all plays out in mm-hmm. Seattle. And just with some of the other like additional protected classes, we will see these things jump the lake and come over to the east side. Yeah. So, Melissa, what are other issues facing uh, landlords in Seattle? Well, currently, there's a tenant who is suing her landlord, well, the landlord she wanted to have, because her uh, application was denied. She had an eviction in her history that was charged, even though it didn't occur. So just because she had been maybe going to be evicted, she didn't get the apartment. Uh So now we're looking at a possible change that eviction history will have to be considered on a case-by-case basis. Criminal background history has already passed that it has to be handled on a case-by-case basis. These are really sticky, thorny so case issues. case-by-case basis, what does that mean? 
Well, we don't really know yet. Wow. <laughs> because, I mean, those are big things. I understand if the eviction didn't go through and there's, um, uh, you know, but eviction and criminal records, I mean, these are big things. And it's a big risk for any of the investors out there that are looking at investing in real estate. You've got to really think about that. Um, a whole nother show and conversation I'm sure that we can have on that. And I'm, I'm interested to see how these things play out and to bring you back in studio for that, uh, Melissa. So last question before I wrap up the show here today. Uh, we have a huge wave of new investment buyers. What advice do you have for them? I talk with them all the time, and I encourage them to keep their passive income passive. Hire a professional. Yes. A property manager can navigate these turbulent waters for them. Uh, It's a... Another metaphor is shifting sands. It's changing all the time. So they can go about earning money the way they know best, and then they can have their property manager allow this to uh, be a good way for them to plan for maybe their retirement. Um, The property manager will have the knowledge and skills for them to be able to do the right thing at the right time. You know, great advice, Melissa. Same thing. You're a financial planner. You want to work with a financial planner. You want to make sure that you have a private insurance agent that's going to take care of your insurance and make sure that you've got somebody that's going to manage those properties because there's a lot of stuff that's going on and obviously a lot that's coming up that needs to be navigated through. So, Melissa, thank you so much for coming into studio, sharing your wealth of information with our, our listeners. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tina. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, the rest of your weekend. And I look forward to talking money with you right here, same place, same time, next Saturday at 1150 AM KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.